guys. I'm Ryan Reed. I'm Rob Kinneven. And we are Frontier. Frontier is a podcast geared towards front ensemble education for both instructors and students in the current season of the marching arts that we are in. And speaking of the current season, we're deep in indoor right now. Today we want to give you a few tips and tricks for both students and instructors really uh, today on how to clean your front ensemble or clean your own individual playing for the students listening. I'm glad you said that. And I was just thinking about how everything that we've talked about has really not only been towards rehearsal. Uh, it's also geared towards how an individual player can, can clean up their own playing. In order to do that, we're going to use a well-known front ensemble exercise known as the green scales. And Ryan and I are going to be talking about how we break down the green scales, not only to clean the green scales, but to use the green scales as a method and a tool to help develop and clean your show. Yeah, I think it's really important. Uh, Rob and I have talked a lot about this um, in terms of philosophy and cleaning front ensemble playing and individual playing. Um, speaking to instructors right now, a little bit more specifically in terms of not just playing reps to play reps, especially at this time of year for show music, but to think of in, in what we're going to talk about today, using green as a way to invest in individual skills that the students will need in order to clean the show that you're currently in. And uh, with the hopes of the idea of building a program versus just building a five-minute show or a seven-minute show or a nine-minute show, depending on what season you're in and what ensemble you're with. Totally, totally. So if the green scales, if you're not familiar with the exercise, we're going to play a quick, quick blip of it here for you now. So now that we have the exercise of green kind of out there for the students or for ourselves or for the individual playing it, one of the first ways to break it down is to give yourself some identifying checkpoints. And the way that we do that is to think of where every single quarter note is. Um, if you're thinking of it as normal green in 16th notes. So you get the first, the fifth, and the ninth note, uh, where each time you, you go up and you turn around and go down and you turn around and go up, all those turnarounds, you're giving yourself those identifying markers. After you've mastered the quarter notes, moving on to filling in the rest of the right hand really gives you more of a guideline to follow along. And usually the student's right hand is their dominant and it gives them just a stronger base to learn from. Being able to fill in those eighth notes with the right hand would come next. So that would be the one and two and three and four and adding in the thirds and the sevenths to the one, five, and nine that we already did with the quarter note checks. Both of those variations are really important to getting used to identifying mid-phrase or mid-lick checkpoints. That's also a good way to break down 16th note licks that are in your show music. So uh, going back to our philosophy of 
trying to not just clean in reps, but trying to invest in skills, this is a good way to teach students how to, or teach yourself how to clean something and identify something on your own. So that way you have more checkpoints along each plane route. And aside from that, you're not just giving them tools to be able to survive on their own in any show or any sort of piece of music that they're learning. They are also just getting millions of reps that allow them to learn so many different facets to the music without being bored because their brain and their, their focus is shooting around to different parts of the exercise. And at the same time, they're still just playing the same notes over and over and over again. After doing the right hand check, adding in those left hand notes uh, can sometimes still be a little bit too much. So being able to take the whole exercise, the whole passage, and put it rhythm only would be the next step in cleaning. Uh, so for that would sound like this with green scales, where you take every single note from the passage and you put it just on the beginning note, just the starting note. Sounds like this. I don't think we need to play this one. No, I think we should. <laughs> you do. Yeah, for sure. So that rhythm-only version is also a really good way to work on balancing your hands and listening to balancing your hands um, because the, the first thing that I find to usually cause dirt in 16th notes is a left hand that is just not as strong as the right hand. And it, it takes good-sounding 16th notes and makes them almost sound a little swung even though they're in time. Oh, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, they can be perfectly in time and just like the variation in hand-to-hand consistency can mess up the whole sound. Absolutely. So one thing I do to fix that going beyond playing at rhythm only is I will do a left-hand breakdown of the exercise, which is super, usually super difficult if it's starting on the right hand. But I try to do this in the learning stages of the exercise. But slowly taking out the right hand parts to where the left hands are just left with E's and U's. So for green scales, the first thing I would do is take out the ands, which would remove the E and the B from the scale. Following that, I would take out a lot of the turnarounds, with the exception of the long, the, the root note, and then the nine. So that leaves more E's and U's, getting rid of G in the middle. If they've got that down and they're finding a lot of success with that one, usually, usually at a slow tempo, I'll try to get rid of all of the right hands. And that's not only great for their hands, but it is a brain melter. Like the amount of counting that has to happen really helps develop their syncopation skills, their ability to play E's and O's, which all add up to their hand-to-hand consistency and how well their left hands are able to match their dominant hands. So it's important to remember when we're doing all of these variations uh, that we want to apply this to our show music or our production that we're currently in. We don't want to just do this for the sake of making green better, but we want to do this for the sake of investing in students long term and making sure that every set of 16 notes or even really every skill set that we use um, sounds good because this is... We're using green as an example, but I, but we use this for every exercise. Yeah, this is not just an episode on green scales. Although we could, we could do that. I don't want to, not right now. I don't want to do that right now. But yeah, this is not just an episode on green scales. This is we're just using green as an example on how to break down more difficult passages in the show. 
Yeah, another quick example would be taking a four mallet, sticking and playing it on one chord. Uh, green is just a better vehicle for us to do this in. Once we've got those breakdowns done and taught and the students are in that mindset, uh, the next thing that I will do is if we find a section of the show where there's maybe a little bit more rhythmic diversity, going in and out of triplets and 16 notes or triplets and eighth notes, or all three of those. Maybe you got some dotted uh, quarter note leads where you're playing some one and a two and a three and four and a ones. Uh, is I will manipulate green into a version of an exercise fit to play, fit to to work on those skills. The biggest thing is to make sure that the exercise, whether it's green or any exercise has the same number of notes. As long as you play the same number of notes, you can plug any rhythm into it. Uh, at a school that Rob and I both work at, taught, I taught a rhythmic version of Green, which you'll hear, hear shortly here, that ends on the end of one based on how it, it lies, but it still uses the same number of notes and gets the kids playing all the scales and all the rhythms. And then we took that and applied it directly to a chunk of our show music. Again, you can use it with any rhythm you want. You can uh, use just triplets, just eighth notes, just sixteenth notes, really any variation you want. So, speaking of exercise manipulation, Rob has a cool uh, metronome game he likes to play. Well, yeah, okay, so this is, it's something that I learned from one of my techs, and I've kind of taken it and just contorted it and twisted it and made it a lot more fun and complicated. But um, take it, I think the metronome is, the way I see it used is just like heavily underutilized. And it's very much so just a crutch to where it's either we're using it or we're not. And there's like zero in between. And I've started to take it and make it to where it's a tool to have kids listen and how hear their own playing and how it relates to the Met. And they can kind of start to fix their own issues, fix their own hand problems relating to where I place them at, um, you know, which will vary constantly. We all just go ahead and start with the metronome on the quarter note. And that can leave gaps. Like maybe the 16th note from beat one to beat two, our left hands could be out of time or maybe the hands like to rush. In order to fix that, I would take the metronome and say we're learning a passage slowly put the metronome only on the ands. And right there, say it's green scales, immediately every player is focusing on lining up the E's in the C green and the B's in the C green, the, uh, the third and the seventh scale degrees with the metronome instead of only worrying about their first, fifth, and ninth. Following the eighth note, I'll take it and I'll have to go for a lot, try to stretch it out for a more macro beat. And I'll put the metronome on beats two and four only. Especially as you're gaining speed, the eighth note becomes really difficult. So then they're worried more about a backbeat. And it's not just some sort of a lucid transition from beat one to three. They're now worried about one and three, which they're most likely subdividing on their own. And uh, feeling the impact of beats two and four when they hear the click from the metronome. And I think the whole game for this is just being able to slowly remove the bet so that the kids are more uh, self-dependent. They're more independent on their own timing. Their brains are just working more and more and more. And 
the metronome needs to be used as a tool in order to achieve this, not just like a crutch to, you know, hope and pray that you're going to be in time when it's removed. The next variation we'd go to after putting the Met on two and four would be to get the kids to think in bar long phrasing. So you put the downbeat, the metronome on every downbeat. And sometimes going beyond one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, to one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, etc. And that way the kid really kind of take turns focusing on each beat within the phrase. Their subdivision isn't allowed to ignore any part of the phrase because every beat matters. If the whole notes are down, they're gravy. Being able to move on to every eight counts would be the goal. Hopefully they can be consistent enough with that. And or putting the metronome on for four counts, off for four counts, on for four counts, off for four counts. And all of these really help the kids realize where their fluctuations and tendencies are on their own. And it's a lot easier for the kids to make these adjustments and care about making these adjustments when it's a self-actualization, when it's a realization that they've come to, not when the person in front of them tells them how it's happening or how they need to fix it. When the kid is realizing their own mistake, they are so much more likely to be intrinsically motivated to fix it. I have to agree with you a ton, Rob. Uh, I'll be honest, I never used a bunch of metronome games um, really until we started working together. And I just have to say, for those of you that don't, that don't do this, it has been pretty eye-opening to see how fast kids' internal clocks get better when they don't hear the metronome on every single quarter note. Because when they do that, they tend to use it as a crutch. And it's pretty good... You, you won't realize that they're using it as a crutch until you pull them off the metronome and you're like, how are we not playing together? How do we not feel a pulse together? We've been using this metronome so much. And it's because the kids are just used to hearing beep, 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 and, and then playing with that beeping sound versus playing with their own sense of internal pulse and using that beeping sound as a checkpoint as a reference to go all right my internal clock is lining up with the external clock which means we're all in really good shape so i'd highly recommend you as someone who's been teaching for a a long time and never really done this i you know it's something i'm going to incorporate into my teaching uh almost immediately uh but I would highly recommend you start to incorporate some of that stuff. And maybe you don't go crazy and go into the whole notes or, or the every eight counts. Or maybe you don't even feel comfortable doing it off the ands because you've got really young students. But putting it on one and three or putting it on two and four um, will just in, increase their sense of time. And putting it on two and four will increase their sense of groove. You know, friends don't let friends clap on one and three. So let's... <laughs> Let's put, the metro- let's put the metronome on two and four as well. So we would love to hear from you guys now. What are some of your tips and tricks that you use to clean your front ensemble? Is there another exercise you want to hear us break down or manipulate into some of these r- rhythmic variations that we talked about? We'd love to hear from you guys. Any thoughts that you have? Anything that goes along with your cleaning process that maybe we didn't talk about? And we definitely have more tips and tricks outside of this. Uh, that we plan on giving you in future episodes. We'd love to hear from you guys about what we were talking about today. Another part of Frontier that we would like to get kicking is uh, 
meet the people, meet the pitsters, if you will. Send us some info about yourself. Send us an email with your name. What is a little bit of your marching experience or teaching experience? What are some of your favorite ensembles, front ensembles in years that you've been able to listen to and watch? Absolutely. You can meet Rob and I on Instagram at front underscore tier underscore edu. Also reach out to us at frontiered at gmail.com. Tier again is T-I-E-R. And check out our YouTube page, Frontier, where we will be sharing some videos of front ensembles uh, to share some basic breakdown ideas and to share some other videos that we find interesting, intriguing, and enjoyable in front ensemble land. Thanks for listening. Tune into our next episode on the frontier. Mm-hmm.